if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Indeed it is. And a good morning once again. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420. The answer at eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Wednesday, the 30th and final morning of the month of September. Thank God in the year of our Lord 2020. Coming up on the program, Rob Walgate of the AP Roundtable, that's the American Policy Roundtable and the Ohio Roundtable, will be joining us with debate, reaction, and analysis in our number two. Filmmaker and conservative pundit Dinesh D'Souza will join us to talk about his movie Trump Card. That'll be coming up at 1035. And, of course, he will break down and give us his thoughts on last night's train wreck as well. And that is where we start this morning on The Authority. That did not go well. That did not go well, and that did not go as planned. Well, that is if there was a plan. And that's how I want to start this whole thing. My head still hurts. It's been, you know, about 10 hours since this thing ended, and my head still hurts. I got a headache. I listened to the first hour of the debate on the road, so it was kind of interesting. I couldn't see facial expressions or any of the... Uh, you know, visual dynamics that uh, that made up the, you know, this this food fight of a debate. And that's what it was. Um, I saw the last half hour of it in on on screen. I was coming back from uh, Chesterland yesterday, which is about an hour drive for me. In fact, let me use this occasion to say thank you so very much to uh, Mario Innocenzi, who uh, is the leader of the Geauga County Conservative Club, who put last night's Trump Day dinner and uh, a debate watch party on. It was an amazing event, packed house at Guido's out there in uh, uh, in Chesterland. Just a phenomenal event. Thank you to that crowd. Thank you to the elected officials that showed up. Thank, thank, thank you to the judges that showed up. And most importantly, just thank you to all the patriotic voters. Uh, it was a very exciting night, and I am just as excited about our president's chances of winning re-election as I was going into it. But the debate last night was a very, very odd uh, moment. Like I said, it was a food fight. It was not a debate. It was a food fight. And the question was, or is rather, was that the plan for President Trump? Because as I kind of prepare my remarks and think about what I want to say before every show, I, 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 I wanted to say what I did say, which is that did not go as planned. But then I also want to kind of just think out loud a little bit and find out if this was the plan. 
See, there's two ways to look at President Trump's performance last night. Number one is to look at President Trump as being somebody who wasn't extraordinarily well prepared, even though they knew what the topics were going to be, because he spent a huge amount of his time interrupting Biden and responding to what Biden would say rather than presenting his own arguments and his own cases, his own record, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that would seem to be off the cuff. I'm going to be reactionary rather than proactive in stating my case about why, you know, what, what a great job I have done and what a great plan I have for the future, but rather I'm going to be reactionary. Whatever he says, I'm going to then jump in and dispute, debate, interrupt, et cetera, et cetera. And that led to, of course, Biden uh, doing the same thing, jumping back, fighting back, throwing more uh, food at Trump, and Trump would throw a little bit more at him, and so on and so forth. And it just it looked like it was a lack of great preparation by the president. But that was only if the plan was to be prepared and it didn't go well. If plan B was the plan, then it came off exceptionally well executed. And plan B is President Trump knows full well what a temper Joe Biden has. President Trump has heard Joe Biden looking at voters in factories, calling them lying dog-faced pony soldiers, uh, essentially challenging people to fights, uh, calling people liars, come on, man, and, and he's very quick to temper, is Joe Biden. So if the strategy or the plan from the president was, I'm going to keep digging, I'm going to keep interrupting, I'm going to keep uh, sliding in, I'm going to keep uh, him on, defense, uh, on defense, I'm going to try to tick him off until he blows. And when he blows, well, then the world will see what a temperament we would have in the White House. If that was the strategy, then I thought it was excellent. Because he did get under Joe Biden's skin. He really did. He made Joe Biden lose his train of thought. He made Joe Biden uh, stumble and ramble even more than he normally does. Although Biden didn't, you know, faint and pass out in a in a confusion of you know fog of confusion the way a lot of people thought he might. So he he gets points for remaining upright during the entire event. But if the president's game plan wasn't really to hit all of the issues, but to keep prodding and poking Joe Biden until Joe Biden blows, then maybe that was an effective strategy. Maybe that was. Then Maybe then I should retract that didn't go as planned. Maybe it went exactly as planned. But the question is, is how did the people see it? And at the end of the day, here was my analysis last night, and I put it on Facebook, and I'm going to give it to you this morning. And it's not a big, long diatribe. It's not deep, embedded debate analysis of performance and points here and points there. And we'll talk about some of those points. But this is just a general reaction. You know, Hugh Hewitt spent the last three hours asking his callers who won the debate. And I'm not going to do that. Now, if you want to call and tell me who you think won, I'll listen. We'll discuss. It's all good. 216-901-0945 to do that. 888 either number. But I'm not going to ask you outright who won the debate because here's my take. Very short, two sentences. The winner of the debate was irrelevant. It matters not. All right, I just added a sentence there. But the third sentence is this, and this is what I, what I wrote on Facebook. The third sentence is, one man stands for freedom 
and capitalism. The other stands for anarchy and socialism. And that's it. It's an easy choice when you break it down like this. Who won the food fight last night? Who poked and prodded and interrupted more? Was Chris Wallace fair or not fair? Was Chris Wallace, you know, was it a two-on-one match with Wallace against uh, uh, President Trump and siding with Joe Biden? And clearly it was. That's nothing new for the president, though. He's had to overcome the odds in every battle he's ever undertaken as president and really previously as a candidate and now as a candidate. He's got to overcome uh, unfair debate moderators. He's got to debate two people at the same time. But he's used to this. He's had to deal with trying to fix our economy, fix our military, repair bad uh, uh, foreign policy situations, all while enduring the Russia hoax, all while enduring the Ukrainian impeachment hoax. I mean, it has just been one uphill fight after another for Donald Trump, and yet he's standing tall and ready to go again. So, President Trump, I don't think, lost a single vote last night. Did President Trump win any votes last night from undecided voters? I doubt it. Joe Biden probably didn't lose any votes last night. He probably didn't win any new voters over either. The good news is, I think there is a very, very small percentage of American voters who are undecided right now who are making their minds up based on the debate. And if they were making their minds up based on that debate, well, I would suggest they do a little bit more homework. Don't make up your minds based on a 90-minute food fight. Make up your mind based on record. Make up your mind based on what President Trump said, one of his best lines last night was, I've done more in 47 months as president than you've done in 47 years in government. I wish he would have done more of that, to be quite frank. I wish when Joe Biden said, here's my economic plan that will create $1 trillion for this, and it's going to create 7 million jobs for that, et cetera, et cetera. I always, anytime there is somebody who has been in a leadership position before, and he was the vice president under Barack Obama, Anytime they come forth and say, here's my great plan to do this, and it will fix all of our ills, I always wait for a candidate like President Trump to look at him and say, well, if you had that plan, why'd you keep it a secret for eight years? Why didn't you whisper it into Barack's ear so that we could have not had the slowest recovery from, uh, from uh, a recession since uh, the Great Depression? Why didn't, you, why didn't you put that forth for eight years in office? You had the bully pulpit. You had control from 2008 to 2016. You didn't have an economic plan then, but now in 2020 you have an economic plan that's going to fix all of the problems. I wait for people to say things like that, and they normally don't. President Trump didn't either. I wish he would have. But what he did say is that for 47 years in office, in the Senate, as a vice president, you did nothing of consequence. In 47 months, here's what I've done. And the president was right. He could have stood there for his two-minute segment on the economy and ticked off the black unemployment rate, check, the Hispanic unemployment rate, check, the women, female unemployment rate, check, unemployment rate for students, check, unemployment rate for disabled, check, gross domestic product growth, check, wage growth, check, returning manufacturing jobs to the United States from overseas where, where Barack Obama claimed they were gone forever, 
He said, there's no way to bring those jobs back. What do you have, a magic wand? Well, Alakazam, check. Lower taxes for the American people, check. Deregulating businesses so the businesses can grow and expand and hire even more people, check. I would love for the president have just to, to have just ticked off. These are all the things that I've done. Oh, by the way, been nominated for not one, not two, but three Nobel Peace Prizes by the end of my first term. Not two weeks into my first term, meaning I have done nothing except run for president the way Barack Obama did when he got his Nobel Peace Prize. But for four years of activity, international peacekeeping. Remember all the leftists said he was going to take us into World War III? Three Nobel Peace Prize nominations for President Trump. So this is what I've done in 47 months. Joe, why don't you tick off your accomplishments in 47 years? And the sound of the crickets in the debate hall at Cleveland Clinic last night would have been deafening because Joe would have had nothing to say. At the end, i got to take a break here in a second, and then I'll go to calls, but um, at the end of Hugh's show, one of the last callers that Hugh Hewitt was talking to, he was asking who won the debate, and the uh, caller said he thinks Biden won the debate, and and uh, pre- uh, Hugh said why, and he said because the president didn't say this, didn't say that, doesn't say that, and Hugh interrupted him and said, no, 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 and I disagree with my friend Hugh on this. He said, no, that's not how people judge who won a, won a debate. The way people judge who won a debate is by what was said, not by what wasn't said. And I disagree. I think if there were moments when something should have been said that could have absolutely hammered a point home, President Trump missed some of those. And then I think in other times when he said what, things that he said shouldn't have been said, not because of their content, but because let Joe Biden speak. Joe is in the process of hanging himself. Joe is in the process of stringing himself up on the stage with his own words. Let him do it rather than interrupting and giving him an out. So there were things that, you know, you you can look at from a debate standpoint that are maybe positive tips and strategies and things that are maybe questionable strategies. But at the end of the day, in my view, it doesn't matter who won the debate. Because nothing that was said on that stage last night is going to change the fact that Donald Trump has stood for freedom, liberty, the Constitution, life, and capitalism, law and order, and the defense of this great republic. And he's done so with his actions. Joe Biden, by his actions and his words, stands for anarchy, socialism, Green New Deals, Medicare for All, open borders, illegal aliens, and... Uh, uh, against the police. So bottom line is nothing that was said or not said on that debate stage last night is going to change those two essential facts, which makes this a very easy choice to reelect Donald Trump. Let's get to your phone calls right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 925, the Bob Brands Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Let's get a few of your reactions. You don't have to declare a winner or not because I think it is irrelevant, truthfully. Uh, Margaret in Northfield, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for calling. Go right ahead. 
Good morning, Bob. I Good was morning. up till four o'clock in the morning going over Facebook and Twitter. Um, interesting thing: Biden would not uh, agree to uh, uh, letting people look and see if he was wearing an earpiece. Was that was that the yeah that, thing was, that was. Well, they, yeah, they, that was something the Trump campaign said before the debate. They they demanded that both uh, um, uh, candidates be you know inspected to make sure they weren't weren't wearing earpieces, which are comms that in which somebody can read uh, you know and feed you answers during the debate when you can't think on your feet. And President Trump said, "I'm in," and uh, Joe Biden's uh, t- campaign said, "No way, that's ridiculous." Well, he was. There are pictures all over Twitter, Facebook. Oh man, he had he, he was wired up like a telephone pole in a third word third third world. <laughs> that I'm That's telling you, and, and you think about it, if he's getting the answers fed to him over an earpiece or whatever he had on him, Trump had to do what he did so Joe couldn't hear the answers that were being fed to him. So interrupting him during his responses uh, took his focus off of whatever was being said into his ear. Yes, sir. That that's very interesting. And 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 if that is the case, again, that's why I kind of allowed for strategy. Although I didn't say that with the earpiece part. You know, the president's interruption might not have just been rudeness or you know unpresidential type of tactics or whatever you want to call it. There may have been a design here, a strategy. And my thought was to tick uh, Joe Biden off to get him to blow because we've seen him be so quick to anger before. Uh, I share that with Joe Biden. Uh, but uh, but maybe there was a strategy. And, and and if what you're saying is accurate and what the internet is saying is accurate, that would certainly make some sense, Margaret. And uh, I'm glad you brought it up. Thanks for the phone call. Uh, let me move to. North Olmstead and BJ on AM 1420 The Answer. Hi, BJ. Go ahead. Hey, Bob. By the way, you've had an excellent month in September. I'm very proud of you, if you don't mind me saying that. <laughs> Not uh, at all. Thank you for that. <laughs> I think that what happened last night is a revelation because what Donald Trump saw was that he was debating two people. And when he saw that, Donald Trump is a quick responder. You have to understand he's got a very strong construction background. He thinks of solutions, not of the problem. And when he saw that this was coming on, he decided he was going to have to take over the debate. Now, the next debate is going to be a town hall where people are going to be asking the questions, and you're going to see a very different demeanor in the president in dealing with the public directly. But last night he recognized that this was a political setup, and he was going to be the target from Chris Wallace, which he was, and he went at him. That's his, that's his persona. That's the way he's achieved things with people that he does business with. If he thinks they're going to try and play lollygagged games with him, he goes after him. He did that with the Tricoms. He's done that with all the relationships with people that he's brought on board. And the one point that he made is he did more in 47 months than Joe Biden did in 47 years. It's true. It's factual. In my 90 yes, years, coming this month, next month, I have never seen a president accomplish more and handle more more difficult situations while he's being crucified to a political cross. And he's got a woman coming up for the Supreme Court, and he knows they're going to attack this wonderful woman. So you're, you're going to see, for the remainder of this term, a fighter in office who's not going to take one inch of their crap. And I think that's what, it, what it's about. We don't like to see this. But the truth of the matter is that we are in a political revolution in our country, and we have to be very, very aware of 
selfish. I said this to you before, your generation that's going to have to stand up to what's coming from the nasties on the other side, and they are nasty, they've been violent, and the president has pointed that up, and have a great Great October, and thank you for giving me the time. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it, BJ. And uh, you're right. The president is a fighter. There's no doubt about it. It's how he got where he is, and I am uh, am, uh, reticent to condemn or criticize his choices in the ways that he fights. But I will say this. Part of being a great fighter is knowing how to make the other guy miss. Part of being a great offensive fighter fighter is knowing how to play defense. And the attacks that were thrown at President Trump by Chris Wallace and Joe Biden last night, I think, warranted some defensive maneuvers on the part of the president. He should have been part Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather is one of the greatest pound-for-pound boxers in history, and he's known for being a great defensive fighter. He doesn't get hit. That's how he wins. Sometimes you have to play defense. And there were some attacks on the president yesterday with respect to white supremacists and other things that he really needed to defend himself, in addition to being offensive against Joe Biden. And I think those were some missed opportunities. That is the kind of place where I disagree with my friend Hugh Hewitt. We're going to find out what uh, Rob Walgate thinks about that. Rob Walgate of the American Policy Roundtable, the Ohio Roundtable, is joining us after the news on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 937, now the Bob France Authority continuing on AM 1420, The Answer. Looking for more of your reactions to uh, the first debate last night in Cleveland and whether or not you think it matters even a little bit in the grand scheme of things. Your phone call's coming at 216-901-0945. But now I want to bring in my friend Rob Walgate, who is a uh, regular fill-in host on this show, and I'm so proud and happy that he's able to do that for us because I know he keeps the conversation going so well. Rob is vice president of the American Policy Roundtable and the Ohio Roundtable, and, of course, he also runs the uh, Public Square Broadcast Network. Robert, good to talk to you, my friend. How are you this morning? I'm great, Bob. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. So does your head still hurt, Rob, uh, and did it last night? I mean, i got to tell you, uh, it, it was a food fight. It was a verbal food fight. Um, it was two against one in that verbal food fight, to be quite frank. Uh, and it didn't, it didn't do me any favors, man. I did not feel good as I watched it, and I did not feel good when it was over, and I still kind of woke up this morning a little queasy from it. How about you? Yeah, I think the first thing we got to look at is we do need to talk about the moderator, and we do need to talk about Chris Wallace and the way that that was done, how it was handled. I felt like he walked into a tense situation. Uh, maybe there was a little fire going, and he poured some gasoline on the fire, especially the way he engaged, the way he asked questions, the way it had a negative tone and spin to it. So I think that was, from the beginning, something that jumped out and struck me. The other thing, I I feel like Donald Trump, the plan was for him, kind of like in basketball when you know the other team can't handle pressure, you're going to give a swarming defense. You're going to do a lot of trapping. You're not going to let up and be relentless. I felt like that was his plan, just to keep talking and do his best to see if Vice President Biden could handle the pressure and just fluster him in any way that he could. Um, 
not a bad analogy. Um, I, I, I said something similar. I didn't do the basketball analogy, but I just said he wanted to keep the pressure on because I think he was knew it was getting under Joe Biden's skin, and his goal was to make him crack. He knows Joe Biden is quick to anger. He's got a very short temper. We've seen it on the campaign trail. We've seen it in interviews. We've seen him snap at people. He wanted Joe Biden to crack. So, number one, that's not a bad analogy you just gave. And number two is my question. Did Joe Biden handle that pressure well? How do you think he handled the, the constant interruptions and the constant attacks from the president? Well, I, I think Biden and the campaign and people watching around the country thinks that he survived the debate, so that would be considered a success, correct? Because expectations have been set so low for Vice President Biden. But I think he stepped in in a couple ways. I mean, he called Donald Trump a clown. Um, he told the president of the United States to shut up. Now, a lot of people are going to say, and, and this isn't to defend Donald Trump. I'm just pointing out, did we ever envision a time where we would have a debate set up and someone would call the president of the United States a clown or tell him to shut up or call him a racist? I mean, you think all these things and how much has changed. I think one thing that's happened is I'm not sure the American people want to see debates set up and formats this way. I mean, all the technology we have and we can't turn off people's microphones when it's not their turn to speak. Um, instead, you know, I thought of fine. that, Rob. I thought of that too, but but you wouldn't want that, and neither would I. You want to give the moderators the right to choose when they silence President Trump? Not me, boy. I don't want any microphone able to be silenced because we know what will happen. Then they will absolutely. And, and can you imagine? If they shut off his microphone when he was trying to make a point to Joe Biden, uh, he would walk over and speak into Biden's mic just to be able to. I mean, seriously, I wouldn't want that. I think that would create a lot of unfairness, I think, uh, or at least allegations of unfairness. Well, he would walk over, there's no doubt, and use the microphone that's on. But I think it also looks at a, at a bigger point. In what would be the proper way to do it? Is there a way to do it that could be more beneficial for the american people i think back you know the public square radio program we partnered with and carried i think back in um to to the debate that was held in 2008 with john mccain and uh barack obama it wasn't a debate it was the the civil forum they held at saddleback if you remember that out in california um where each candidate was had the opportunity to get up and share and talk and and, and tell stories and be a part of it. I mean, we've done these things before where it's kind of like a non-debate debate, and you can hear from candidates. You can hear their heart. You can hear them tell things. I mean, did anyone's mind or vote change based upon what happened last night? I think it's going to be hard as the American people to change anyone's mind about who they're going to vote for. I don't think there's someone that says, I'm switching from Biden to Trump or Trump to Biden. I think what's going to happen is you'll have people that maybe make a decision, well, I now am going to vote for this person as opposed to not voting at all. Well, you know, that's, Rob, I, I, I thought as I watched all this play out last night and my, my instant reaction at the end of it was, thank God nobody cares. Uh, and what I mean by that is I really feel like, you know, if you're not dug in by this point, by the start of October, if you're not dug in on who you're voting for, you're in a tiny, 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 tiny minority. I feel like this isn't going to move the needle anyway. Nobody who is voting for Biden is not going to vote for Biden now. Nobody who is voting for Trump is not going to vote for Trump now at the end of this. And those who really were kind of teetering in the middle, I think it's a tiny, tiny number, and I don't think enough to move, uh, you know, to, to change the race. Well, and I think that's where the moderator ball was dropped in the sense of him trying to put words in Donald Trump's mouth and have him almost as a repeat-after-me moment 
on a few things. I, I, I'm looking at it, shaking my head, saying, what's going on here? Um, I don't understand this, and what are we trying to do? What are we trying to say? It's almost as if his time was spent on social media beforehand looking for a gotcha moment or to set set people up, and I don't think that was a beneficial use of time, and I don't think Americans benefited from hearing that. Rob, I uh, made a, a point before I brought you on uh, at the end of my last segment about how the president's offense is fine, but sometimes he needs to play defense. He left America thinking last night that what Chris Wallace said was true, and that bothers me. He needed to play defense and defend himself. Chris Wallace said in the lead-up to the race issue uh, that was part of the topic list, he said that you said uh, after the Charlottesville riot there were very fine people. Now, he didn't say the words, you called white supremacists very fine people, but he said you said there were very fine people on both sides. That plays into what Joe Biden has been doing for the last three years. He's been telling the Charlottesville lie for three years. There is still a significant number of Americans who don't know the truth, that the president did not condemn, not, not condemn white supremacists. And so the headline on CNN's website and TV last night was Trump refuses to condemn white supremacy. Um, the president has condemned white supremacy, white nationalism, KKK, and other hate groups repeatedly throughout his presidency. But they, he left it last night not responding to that, not telling uh, um, uh, Chris Wallace and Joe Biden the truth about what he said at Charlottesville, not telling them about the number of times he has condemned white supremacy. He left it hanging out there, and I think that's a tactical mistake. And, and, and I think it can be harmful. Your thoughts on that? Well, I think there were a number of drop balls. In a situation, again, you have a moderator that's bringing up a topic that <clears throat> only has half-truths in it. He took and ran with the president's remarks, and you're exactly right, Bob. That is not what was said at the time of what happened in Charlottesville. It's not even close to what was being said. So I think that one was left out there, and he could have done a better job uh, refuting that and explaining the truth. But again, it's hard to explain the truth when you're getting asked a question one way or a statement is made that you have to refute, and then you're also supposed to be debating a guy across the stage again that's not in defense of donald trump i'm just saying that was an interesting angle for chris wallace to take yeah it, it was and and like i said in my my mind the president's biggest mistake last night was letting chris wallace get away with that letting joe biden get away with that and not saying very directly of course i could condemn white supremacy and white uh, nationalism and white and neo-nazis i did it at charlottesville i've done it numerous times since and i'll do it again right now white supremacists and nash white nationalist groups are to be condemned totally they are disgusting he needed to say that i think to the american people on the stage and i think it was a opportunity that he didn't now let, let me you can respond to that in a second in addition to this one on the flip side joe biden refuses to condemn antifa in fact refused to admit its existence saying that antifa is an idea not an actual group well it isn't ideas that are burning buildings down in portland and seattle and minneapolis and new york etc etc and all over the place it isn't an idea that is dragging people out of their cars and beating them it isn't an idea that is looting stores uh and and uh and smashing and vandalizing i mean those are groups wearing their antifa uniforms you know their black outfits they're planning their assaults online. And Joe Biden, not only did he not condemn them, Robert, he didn't even acknowledge their existence, much like Jerry Nadler. Yeah, when he made that statement, I kind of like looked around. I mean, I was in my living room watching the debate. I'm like, did he just say what I think he said? That's an idea. Um, 
And I think that was definitely a drop ball by, by Vice President Biden. I think also it was a drop ball when President Trump asked him to name one law enforcement agency that endorses or supports him. I think Biden realizes he's backed into a corner when it comes to all these, when it comes to law and order, when it comes to civil disobedience, when it comes to protests. They're not peaceful protests when businesses are destroyed, when lives are ruined. There's nothing peaceful about that. And the organizations that are doing it, those organizations do need condemned from all sides of the spectrum. No one benefits, whether it's people that, whether it's white supremacists or whether it's Antifa, they all need condemned because we're not better off as Americans the more that we let that happen. I thought it was a huge moment, speaking of Antifa and speaking of the violence. Um, President Trump pointed out that he has been endorsed by virtually every police organization in America. And when Joe Biden uh, and said Joe Biden doesn't have any support, and Joe Biden said that's not true. When Trump uh, uh, demanded that he name one, Joe Biden could not do it. Now, as he stumbled and stammered about you know not being able to name one, once again, this is, I thought, a tactical, tactical, tactical mistake by the president. Let him stammer and stew in that as he tries to search for a name for the next 60 seconds. Just let him non-answer yeah. that. Instead, he kind of jumped in after about five seconds and changed it, went on to something else. I want everybody to know that Joe Biden is telling lies and cannot uh, come up with something to defend himself there. And I think, again, give a guy a little bit of rope. If he's tying a noose for himself, let him continue tying it. Yeah, agreed. I think the president, in always wanting to get a word in and always wanting to get the last word in, could do a better job in allowing Joe Biden to talk or try and gather his thoughts. Let him think about what he's going to say. And I think he would have been more beneficial and better off had he done that. Um, again, it, for me, Bob, it goes back to the moderator. I mean, what's the role of the moderator in a debate like this? If you want to be invisible, if you want to stay out of the way, Within the first five or six minutes, we knew that wasn't the case last night. We knew that wasn't going to take place. And I'm not sure that's what the American people signed up for. I don't, I don't think anyone this morning is running around saying, boy, I'm sure glad I had that 93 minutes last night taken from my life. So um, it, it's going to be interesting to watch how we move forward from this. I think there are wonderful ways to do it. Hey, I wish they'd let you and I do it. I wish they'd let our team at iVoters.com do it. There's so many better ways that could do this that would benefit the American people to let them hear from the candidates and to, to make the positions be heard without everyone yelling and talking over each other and also having moderators inject their personal preference or opinion. Yeah, I thought Hugh Hewitt had an interesting take on that this morning. He said, rather than have one moderator try to be fair, which Chris Wallace did a lousy job at, just go ahead and have two partisans do it. Have one pro-Trump voter, he said, like himself, and one pro-Biden voter like Rachel Maddow. Let us ask questions of the other side. Uh, that would be interesting. Let Rachel Maddow question Trump and essentially be the prosecutor and make, let him defend himself. And he, he would ask questions of Biden. Or and I, I might I might pick somebody else actually to ask those questions of Biden. But you understand the point. Don't we already have that? It's called the Senate Judiciary Committee. We're about to see that here in, in a few weeks. I mean, isn't that what takes place there? I mean, Very you think last night you think last night was a circus. Uh, I can only imagine what they have in store for the next couple of weeks there. No, and Rob, since you brought it up, uh, you, your thoughts on that? I mean, you are a very principled, faithful Christian man. Um, they're savaging her. I mean, they went after Brett Kavanaugh and called him a rapist, a gang rapist, a guy who ran a serial uh, gang rape uh, ring for crying out loud. 
Uh, they can't do that with a female candidate who is Catholic. Uh, so they decide to go after the Catholicism. Um, yeah. How I, do you feel about just this savage attack that they're they're starting? It hurts. Um, my faith, my relationship with Christ is something I take. Obviously, it's the most important thing in my life. Now, that being said, every room I enter, I'm the biggest sinner in the room. I understand that. I have plenty of shortfalls and negatives in my life where I sin every single day. And um, But to see them openly attack uh, Judge Barrett over her faith, over decisions she's made in her life, over everyone you talk to her that knows her personally or hear from talks about how she loves their neighbor, how she loves her family, how she lives it out, and is such a principled person. Um, the role, when I read the Constitution, it's clear. The President nominates, the Senate pro- provides advice and consent, and as Justice Ginsburg said years ago, it's not a three-year term for the presidency. It's a four-year term, and the president, historically speaking, is well within his right to nominate someone, and it's going to be a shame to see the left attack and continue to attack the way they have been. And as we watch that more, the left will bring you in and embrace, not if you're a woman, not if you're a minority, but only if you believe in their ideology and their work with you. They, they talk often about how for the under, they support women's rights, or they support minorities. True, just Lewis Thomas. Look at the way they treat Tim Scott. Look, the, the list goes on and on, and it's heartbreaking to see. It is indeed. Rob Walgate, tremendous analysis. So glad we, you were able to step in for us here. Uh, we got to do this more often, seriously, especially between now and November 3rd, and probably, sadly, between November 3rd and December 3rd and January 3rd, because this thing is going to be in the courts by that time. Rob Walgate, thanks so much for the time, my friend. I look forward to it. Thanks, Bob. Rob Walgate is the vice president of the associate, uh, the uh, excuse me, the American Policy Roundtable and the Ohio Roundtable. And again, you can also hear him on the uh, Public Square Broadcast Network, which you can find at uh, Ohio Roundtable uh, online. We'll get a quick time out here and come back with a couple of calls. AM fourteen twenty, the answer. Okay, 9.58, only time for a couple of quick ones here before the top of the hour, but we are guest-free at 10 o'clock, so for the next 30 minutes, we will be having your phone calls in debate re- of debate reaction uh, at 9.35, or excuse me, 10.35, we will have uh, Dinesh D'Souza to talk about the Trump card movie. Roz in Cleveland, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Roz. Good morning. The winner was my grandson. Why? He's 16, and we were mm-hmm. traveling. He was watching it on a phone, and I was listening, and he learned a lot. There were things that he needed some uh, background on because he's only 16. He said he wished he could vote, and he would vote for Trump. He felt that Trump won. He understands um, fighting back uh, when you are insulted. Um, That's an age thing, of course. Um, But... He learned some background on several things, but I do say, want to say that there was one spot that I was screaming at the phone, and that is when Biden said that there were going to be all these green energy jobs, and all I could scream was the Lentra. 
Oh, right. Yeah. About, yeah. Oh, you mean like Solentra? Just like okay. Solyndra. We heard this story. We heard this tale told by your former boss, Barack Obama, and look how that worked out. That is a great point. See, that's what I – and thank yeah. you, Roz. I appreciate the call, and congratulations to your grandson. I gave a speech last night at the uh, Geauga County uh, C- a Conservative Club, and uh, one of the most important parts of my talk was about children and about their education and about the indoctrination that they receive and how we have to do everything we can to you know, help uh, combat that. And uh, I'm glad to hear what you just said about your 16-year-old grandson. Um, but the, the, the one thing I said earlier on that I disagreed with the, my friend Hugh Hewitt on is sometimes I think a debate can be won or lost, not just by what is said, but what is not said. And that's another example of it. I wish the president would have pulled that one out. Just like when it comes to the race card, I really wish he would have pulled out the, uh, Joe Biden statement that, uh, all African Americans think alike. Unlike Latinos and Hispanics, uh, black people all think alike. They have the same attitude. It is insulting. It just, just disrespects the individuality of every African American in this country. And, uh, President Trump should have called him on it. I think there are things that weren't said that could have helped win the debate. More of your calls of reaction right after the news.